0: Hello and welcome to Dream Possible, where you hear compelling stories of people who have pursued their dreams against all odds and sometimes reason and made them possible. What can we learn from their journeys? Well, that's why we're here to find out. I'm Maria Retan. I had a dream once to become a news executive in a major market. Got that off the to-do list. Then I had a dream to establish my own communications consultancy. Top Sale Strategies was born, and then a dream of creating a way to help journalists make a career change, and that became Jump Team Coaching. Dreams can change as you change. So, what's your dream? Well, think about that as I speak with today's guest, Jennifer Gilhoy of JenGilhoy.com. I'll be honest, Jen's a friend a business partner and absolutely an inspiration to me and so many many others she is totally committed to helping people make healthier choices there's many reasons i would have jen come on dream possible but the one we're going to talk about today is potentially the most important so welcome jen oh thank you maria so good to be here now oh, I'm so excited like we could actually sit down and have a conversation that people can listen to about your journey. I mean you have, oh my goodness, uh, really stepped into the journey to share it more publicly and I'm thrilled that you're going to do it today on dream possible. Um, Jen is somebody, you guys, who has had a variety of dreams and has achieved many of them. So um, I first ran into Jen with Track Consulting. That is her event and strategic communications company. Um, well, actually, even before then, I ran into Jen because we were in a group of women uh, that was a fantastic group and then learned of Spark Track then she and i collaborated on a few things and and the latest collaboration is a a, a collaboration called add women uh, which is committed to elevating bipoc creatives, which gents on the board. And I was thrilled to be asked if I would be a member, a team member. Um, but that's not why we're here today. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about, but there that's not is. it. Uh, we're actually here because your journey towards sobriety and your willingness to help others leave live healthier lives is, I know, Um, a true mission for you. And first, I just have to say, congrats on seven years of sobriety. What a milestone.
1: Uh, Thank you, Maria. Yeah, it has been a journey. And when I was thinking about your, just the title dream possible without sobriety dreams would not be coming true for me at all. So I love that we're starting here.
0: Yeah. It's true, right? It all starts with getting yourself healthy um, before you can really do, you know, really accomplish what you want, much less turn around and lift others up on your journey, too. So um, let's like go back a little bit in the time machine and describe your journey as concisely as you can, because I know the journey is long and varied, but to the point where you made that critical decision to embrace sobriety.
1: Yeah, you're you're so right. I mean, it spans two decades or more of a lifestyle and a lot of confusion around trying to define am I a problem drinker? And I think many struggle with that. So my, my journey starts in high school when I first discovered alcohol and I was very shy at the time. So I loved how alcohol just made me feel bold and I could be in certain social situations and really use that throughout college. And I think, you know, in college, you, I looked around and everyone was partying, drinking, and it's just what you did. It was So ingrained in American culture and society that it was hard to distinguish if I actually had a problem when I looked to everyone around me. But at that point, I knew I had issues with drinking and I had some repercussions, some things that were starting to happen, but they didn't feel severe enough or detrimental enough to actually seek help. So that continued really through my career. And it's shocking to look back and be like, I had 10 years at one organization without an incident related to alcohol because I had expertly, or so I thought, learned to control it. And I think that's where it gets very confusing for people. They say, you know, the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it certainly is. Because if any outsider would have looked at me, they would have been like, Jen's got it all together, Um, I did not. I had extreme highs and lows. And as you know, with this disease, it just progresses. And so I had come to a point in um, corporate America where I wanted more in my career and I made a career change. And at that time, I went into a role that was so stressful for me personally. At that point, around age 39, it just accelerated my drinking because I had nowhere to turn in terms of like coping with everything that was going on. And so, gosh, Maria, um, I mean, I defined it as that point, but the actual journey to like embrace what a sober lifestyle looked like, took years. I would say it took 3 years. And what a lot of people don't realize is if you're not one of those people that can quit cold turkey, like I feel like that's like less than 5%. Um if you truly have a drinking problem, it takes many times to get it right because it's such um an important shift and lifestyle change that just takes time. There's really not any way around it. So that was my journey and at the kind of point where I needed help, my husband saw and recognized that. And he was part of that outside voice, kind of helping me recognize I needed help.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it is a third party, right? That shines that light on you. But to your point, there wasn't anything severe enough to really force you, right, to go and make that change. But when someone you love and trust turns to you and says, I think you may have a problem, that's when you go, okay, I'm I'm not kidding myself, right? Like this, right. this is something I got to deal with. I know you've talked before about workplace stigmas, Jen. You know, you mentioned spending a decade somewhere, right? And and thought you were showing up okay. Um, and I know in workplaces, you know, there's always happy hours and there's things that happen socially. Talk about how workplace stigmas have kind of keep people in the box of uh, maybe keeping their their um, challenges with drinking, you know, hidden,
1: if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's such a huge place to start because it actually really impaired my ability to get help. And I didn't get help until after I'd left corporate and I was on my own exploring my entrepreneurship journey. But had I decided while at corporate America that I would need to leave and go away to treatment the stigma around that, I mean, can you imagine not even like being on such shaky ground and not even knowing what it meant for your career to like all of a sudden be gone and have all of your coworkers talking about what happened and the stigma around it was just so powerful that I, I just couldn't imagine ever doing that. And for many people, that's the only thing that they've experienced or seen. Um, So I think now when I look at different corporate experiences um, and the happy hours, that's part of my mission with JenGillahoy.com is to really bring safe, sober celebrations into places that really haven't seen that or spaces and events that have such a focus on alcohol at the center. So I think that's an important part of my journey, and then having experienced that in corporate because I also was in events. I mean, that's what I did, you know? I mean, showing up to the party and not having a drink, boy, I would get a lot of questions when that would happen.
0: You know, I think, and we'll get to this later, but I think that the tide is shifting, right, on that Yeah, you know, as we as we embrace, I think as a society more diversity, equity, and inclusion. That also goes for being embracing more people's choices and not judging people for choices. But I'm getting way ahead of ourselves. So, um, you know, your husband was a catalyst. Um, You know, workplace kind of delayed your ability to go seek help, but at that time you were like, okay, I've got to go get help. And I think you turned to AA. Correct. Um, I did.
1: I did. And I also talked with a therapist and did a few things in the beginning. And I just chose the path of AA because I was also able to keep working and gradually kind of introduce and do those things. And I felt like that um, was the path that I wanted to take at the time.
0: Yeah, and so many people do, and I. but there are yeah. other options, which um, we'll talk about. Uh, yeah, so whatever path is going to get you there, that's the path you take, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are yeah. many options. But at the end of the day, y- you have come to this point where you've said, I want to apply all this wisdom that I've gained through this journey, and I want to share it with others. So what was that moment when you decided that you wanted to step out and really become bold and public with this and, and, and in regard to helping others.
1: Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned in the beginning, I have seven years of sobriety and Maria, I remember in our women's group at a year um, sobriety, we actually had a meeting and it was the first time I publicly shared with women in like that. Professional space that I was sober. And that was a huge moment. And so I would say, after about three years of getting comfortable with showing up in these spaces and being confident in my sobriety, um, that's how long it took. And at about three years, I was like, you know, I think there's more work to be done. And that's when I joined the organization Dissonance, which is all about, you know, healthy lifestyles in and through the arts. And those gatherings were in public spaces where people were drinking, but we were providing a sober alternative. And so that started to feel really good. That was four years ago. And I've continued that mission in terms of like giving people alternative ways to just be out and about and have have a good time without alcohol.
0: Yeah. And congratulations too on four years on the board of yes. dissidents. That's really exciting. Yeah, I you know, as I reflected earlier, I do think maybe the tide is turning where it's more socially acceptable to be at a quote unquote happy hour and not imbibing, in, in right? Like having uh, club soda in your glass <laughs> rather than, you know, uh, you know, drink du jour, whatever it is. But, <laughs> but I do think maybe more people are questioning their drinking. You know, it's become so, uh typical to have a glass of wine after work right like and i I have a dear friend who um found herself drinking every day and would always have a glass of wine and just kind of chalked it up to that's how i relax and then suddenly she was like wait a minute do I have a drinking habit? Is this a problem? Um, and she ultimately walked away from it. And her, um, lots of things happened after that, very positive things. But do you think a lot of people are questioning now how much they drink and and like you, whether or not you have a problem and how much is too much or how often is too often?
1: Yeah, I think the movement, the sober curious movement, the books that are available, the I think you know the, the things that are available now are talking more about the positive sober lifestyle versus um, what I thought it was 10 years ago. It didn't look like a pretty picture. It definitely looked hard and I had a vision of the recovering alcoholic that was not good. And so the more that we're open <clears throat> and people are talking about what those experiences look like and normalizing not drinking, um, it's been so refreshing. Um, I do things now like go to a sauna experience. and to hear younger people in particular talk about the choices they're making, that they are just uh, moving away from that is is so refreshing. And so there definitely have been just more acceptance around it. And as I've talked with you about Maria, there's more, um, you know the, the NA beverage and the mocktails that whole scene is exploding so it essentially feels like you can go to these spaces and have an experience without drinking so I think it's just wonderful
0: I I do think too there's just been you know such a focus on health and wellness in general mind Mm -hmm. body spirit and um I don't think really, maybe it's less now that if you aren't drinking, people aren't necessarily suggesting that you're an alcoholic, right? But more Mm -hmm. you're focused on your health and alcohol doesn't play a role in that, right? So Mm -hmm. there's many reasons not to have an alcoholic beverage, but, you know, let's go back just a moment. And for people who may be listening going, wait a minute, I hear some of my story and Jen's story. How do you know if alcohol is a crutch? Um, or if you're truly addicted?
1: Yeah. um, I love that question and it's complex. And I will say that a lot of times it has to do with how you internally are thinking about drinking. If you find yourself planning all of your events, all your moments, your day around having alcohol, and it becomes a focus, no matter if it's once a day or if it's, you know, daily, um, that's, a sign that that's a problem. And I definitely had that in my earlier journey. And, you know, one of the things that I think people turn to, to find out, am I an alcoholic is they're Googling that and you will get um, a whole list of questions, which can be helpful, but they're also confusing because you could answer them in a lot of different ways and kind of reassure yourself that, you know, according to society, I may be fine. So I looked, those external cues to kind of, you know, two decades ago to find, was I an alcoholic when I should have really been looking internally because I knew I didn't like the way that I felt. I didn't like the decisions I made. Uh, There's so many good resources now to, on how to really uncover how you're feeling about it. So it's, people forget about that personal piece of it. You can choose on your own based on how you feel to not drink.
0: It's so hard though to change, right? I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like you may intellectually know and feel it in your bones, but to actually take the step to begin change is so hard as you well know. So what is a good first step for people who may think they have an addiction or just a dependence on alcohol that they don't like?
1: Yeah, and I love that question because I thought my first step would have been to go to an AA meeting. And as it turns out, I was not ready for that. Like I wasn't ready to walk into a room and say, Hey, I'm Jen, I'm an alcoholic. So what I love is that there's more space for exploration and an invitation and self inquiry, even before you get to that point. So I would suggest, you know, reading literature, looking online, reading some of these really optimistic, uplifting books of what a sober lifestyle could look like. So you understand and you see people that have have successfully made the change. Um, And then I would say if you are ready, um, talking with a therapist or trusted person who is not part of your immediate situation, because there are a lot of emotions involved. And that's hard to do. Um, Those people close to you may be experiencing some trauma or harm based on your behavior. And so looking to an outside source, like a therapist or someone trusted to talk with is absolutely important because once you start to voice those things, you really, it's hard to go back and say, I didn't mean, didn't mean that. Um, Once it's out there and you start talking about it, it shifts the momentum
0: yeah I think that's so smart Jen um, and to your point, not everybody's ready to go to an AA meeting and stand up and say and call it right call right.
1: it you and know put a label
0: a, put a label on it exactly yeah. um, exactly even many people may not even recognize that they are alcoholics they just think that they have a dependence on alcohol right mm-hmm. but either way, it's not a healthy
1: <laughs> not right. a healthy
0: situation yeah. Um, so support systems, would you say, and I don't know, I, I, guess this is personal choice, but if someone just wants to kind of explore, do I have a problem and not have a problem, um, you know, going to a therapist potentially as a first step, maybe working it through, but then going back to those that you love, if you feel that they would be open and supportive would be a good, a good journey or, um, I mean, there just may be, you don't know their reaction, right? So you are, it's kind of risky to know how people will react to you.
1: Absolutely. And every situation is different. So if you have caused harm or trauma to family members, co-workers, they're going to want to see that you are showing up and doing the things that reflect that you're committed to it. So oftentimes you have to have, you feel like you have to have some amount of sobriety and making those intentional changes before you can really show up and talk with those family members. And part of AA, one of the steps is making amends and it's called living amends. So you really are showing that you, you know, are moving forward in a positive direction, but you actually have some decent amount of sobriety and some um, actions to show that you are moving in that direction. A lot of times, friends and family that's what they look for. So it's kind of, you know, depends on the situation.
0: Proof's in the pudding, right? You got to show some action. It can't be all talk. Yeah. To your point. So this podcast is going to be airing in sober January. Um, It's a great way to kick off the year, right? Really focusing on your health and wellness and Mm -hmm. right sizing bad habits and And naming some things that may be showing up in your life that you wanna correct. Um, The fact that we even have Sober January, you know, that's pretty amazing. Um, What are some other resources? um, You've named a few, but some other resources that people could have at their disposal, especially in Sober January?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, again, these books and these resources that are out there. Um, I think one of the biggest things to look at is what your current coping mechanisms are or why asking yourself why you're drinking and being able to, for example, instead of needing that glass of wine at the end of the day to wind down, what else could you do? So looking to things like exercise, exercise is so incredibly beneficial. Um, but these are learned behaviors, right? So it's like figuring out, making a plan, um, figuring out what you can do to replace, um, the habit of drinking, because if you're just white knuckling it, not drinking, that can be really painful. Um, and a lot of times that leads to either relapse or, you know, just getting back into the cycle, but even having it progress further.
0: Yeah. So, um, Talk about JenGilhoy.com, would you? You know, because (laughs) um, people listening right now may say, oh, my gosh, I would just love to connect with Jen. I would love to pick her brain or see what kind of resources you might provide. Can you talk about your offering through JenGilhoy.com?
1: Yes. So I launched that in August after about a year of writing memoir and story and trying to uncover my journey with alcohol and finding healing in that. And so what you'll see on the site is a lot of memoir story but also um, relevant topics that I'm just hearing from different people in my communities who have reached out to me personally. And so, for example, there's one on on there about spouses and how can spouses support you know someone you know their spouse who's trying to get help and they see how much pain they're in? how can you, have an intervention that goes successfully, those kind of things. So that's what you'll see on my site. And then true to my spark track form, I love events. So the other piece I'm working on is providing offerings through events that gather community that are interested in exploring a sober, curious lifestyle. So one of the biggest things I, I would expect people would come to me with that question. Am I an alcoholic? Do I need to stop drinking? And so what I want to do with events is host places where people can ask those really early on questions into sobriety and get some answers and maybe test it out because that's one of the most successful things that we're seeing now is that any amount of sobriety starts to teach you certain things about your behaviors and patterns. And even if you go back to drinking, you have a huge understanding of how it shows up in your life that you didn't before that.
0: Mm-hmm. So your 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 radar's up, right? Yeah, your radar's yep. up on things.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so everyone listening out there, that's Jen, J-E-N, Gilhoy, G-I-L-H-O-I.com. G-I-L-H-O-I.com. And I should say, congratulations. Your story that you've written is featured in a new book. Tell us all about it. And I should give a shout out. It's Chris Olson, who's been on Dream Possible before. So I just want to say this is one of the co-authors is a former Dream Possible guest. But go ahead, Jen, tell us about that book.
1: Yeah. Oh, Chris Olson and Julie Burton. So these two amazing women in our community have... Uh, collected 21 essays from women and just reading that book. um, I am one of the essayists. My story is a monarch emerges and it is all about my journey with alcohol and finding self-love in order to heal. And the book is called her path forward. So all of these women are sharing their stories of trauma and overcoming and how they've transformed in their lives. And it's incredible just to read it from front to back. It's just, it's um, an emotional journey, but I think these are the stories that women are stepping into and sharing more. I could never have imagined doing this seven some years ago, early on to sobriety. If you would have told me I was doing this, I'd be like, what? So Julie and Chris have made that possible and their company is her publish her press H-E-R. So it's yeah, just launched it. I'm excited to see what they will do.
0: I am too I am too so if you're yes just a shout out if you're thinking of publishing a book uh, you're going to want to get in touch with Chris Olson with an e um, and um, so let's look ahead you've launched jinngilhoy.com you're looking at doing events um, that might be some short-term dreams but you know what are you working on a little long-term do you have anything in your sights for right now
1: I do. You know, the shorter term which we were just talking about, I just want to mention is about events and bringing that community together locally who is interested in creating spaces that offer non-alcoholic beverages, offer this experience in like a club kind of vibe where you can go experience music without having to drink. Um, So that's the short-term thing I'm working on for this winter. And then long-term, Um, Even, you know, through dissonance, we're talking about creating like a bricks and mortar space that, you know, offers that well-being experience and the heart of it is really pulling musicians together, which is through dissonance, that's our community, it's musicians and artists, and shattering the stigma around, you know, to be creative, you have to be in some sort of you know, um, struggle, like it has to be hard and it doesn't, it's, um, so refreshing to like bring that community together. So by having a bricks and mortar space, we could be one of the first in the country of that kind.
0: Ah, you're just blazing all kinds of trails. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. And so for so many reasons, so everybody it's jengilhoy.com, J E N G I L H O I.com. And Jen, thank you for, for being on the show and just, sharing more about your journey. Um, I just know that you've helped so many people by stepping out and sharing this publicly. And hopefully through this podcast, you'll you'll help even more.
1: Uh, thank you, Maria. Thank you for all the work you do. You've always been such an amazing supporter and just um, honored really to just have this conversation today with you.
0: Take care. And George, thank you for another great show. And thank you listeners for joining me and Jen today. Until next time, continue pursuing your dreams.